Today's podcast is brought to you by Something Blue by Anita Kay, specializing in wedding and event photography. Visit her page on Facebook. For those in love, capture those memories with Something Blue by Anita Kay. This is Unbridled Enthusiasm Podcast with Mark Poulos. I'm coming home. I'm coming home. folks welcome back to the unbridled enthusiasm podcast i'm mark Poulos, and this is the ride home sunday as always driving home from the gig we're gonna run through some fun stories and silliness that occurred this week uh, i was in decatur at a club called the main hangar the good friend John Russell, who's also on the program. Good morning, ladies. Good morning, John. Good morning, Mark. <laughs> it's like it's CNN. Good morning. Thank you, Wolf. So our uh, our trip, as always, was filled with a bunch of BS. We always have fun when we ride together, don't we? I think so. Pretty much. <laughs> So on the way down, obviously everything was fine until we got to about uh, LaSalle, Illinois. And then the monsoon rains occurred. And uh, my wife Anita always accuses me of over-embellishing stories to make them better. Am I embellishing the fact that it was monsoon rains, Johnny? No, not at all. There were, uh, I would say, probably... Well, to give people an idea, when we got back, we stopped at the store, uh, gas station uh, because it was dangerous, not the gas station, but the driving. And when we got back into the car, it was still raining so hard and so much. It was like there was a river in the parking lot and so much so that in order to get into the car, I was in water up over my ankles. Yeah. That's because it was raining that hard and that fast. And. And, and to let you know, I don't know if this means that it was that rainy or that I am just stupid, but my pants, the legs, were still wet on Saturday morning. Really? Yeah. I had to take a blow dryer and run it inside my shoes so I could wear it. Oh, my God. Yeah, and uh, if people listen to the podcast, they know that uh, the silver bullet is not in the best shape after I hit the armadillo. So the underside of my car, a lot of the, the protective fiberglass and, and uh, backings and stuff have been ripped out. So there was certain points in the drive where we were going through giant rivers of water and it was uh, splashing up into my engine casing and causing the car to like, it was the weirdest thing ever because the battery light would come on and then my power steering wouldn't work. And I was like, I don't even know how the two are connected. I did some research and I found out that like it's all interconnected. Like the belt, the belt that runs, the power steering is a belt that runs around the alternator. And and that belt is what kind of charges the alternator, I guess. So 
if there was a problem with the battery and the alternator and and the belt was skipping or something like it would cause problems with the power steering who knows I just know it was scarier than shit. We were pulling into that gas station and I had no control over my steering. I literally just like pulled into a a gas pump like diagonally. And John's like, is your gas pump on this side? I'm like, I had to just park the damn car. (laughs) I didn't have any idea that you were having a problem. And I'm like, what the hell are you doing? It's pouring. Park park closer. I got to tell you, there is nothing I despise more than when something crazy is happening and someone that's not involved with it has some snarky remark about it. (laughs) You know, like we're trying to deal with this, this rainfall that was just ridiculously out of control. I'm running in and out, making sure the car works and everything. I'm completely soaking wet. It was literally like I ran through a waterfall outside. It was raining so much. And what is, what is the fucking nut job cashier say when I come back in. Still raining? Still raining out there. I literally wanted to take the soda that I had and just throw it straight in her face. See if it's be like, is it raining in here? I just said, I just said, fat much? Yeah, is that what you did say? Well, that? I didn't say that, but I would have said it if she did. You know, she didn't come off with me. I had no, no problem. She, she was giving you some trouble, but not me. Yeah. And I could say fat much because I'm fat. It's like that shit where it's like 70 below zero and you come into uh, some establishment. And you're like shaking off the cold. Cold enough for you? Yeah. Oh, dude. It's, I'll tell you. I'll, here's the perfect example. And I don't want to get too far afield here. But oh. back when I lived in Fargo and it was in the middle of January and the car that I had blew up. I was in the middle of getting divorced. I had to go find a car. And so I'm out on Saturday morning and it's like 30 below looking at car. And I'm looking at car. I got to find a car. I got no car. <laughs> and I'm, I go out to the lot and there's all these, all these sales assholes sitting inside their warm little sales hut. And then, and then I'm looking at cars and a guy gets in his car, drives out, rolls down the wind and goes, uh, you looking for anything? I says, no, I just came out to wander around you dumb shit. <laughs> Yeah, it's 30 below. I figured, yeah, I, I'm, I should come and see what new models they have at the used car lot. Fuck you. I'm not giving you any money. Are you looking for something? You dumb fucker. How dumb can you? And then oh I, then I, I, I said, you know what? I was going to spend $15,000 on a new car, but probably two, yeah. 200 But uh, I told him, I, that was it. I, I wasn't going to have any of that. I just anyway. don't get it, you know. People, people always think they're hilarious, you know, and it's the stuff too. And I don't know if you get it as much as I do, but you know, when I'm off stage, like I'm not the guy that's always on, Oh, you know, and, and, and obviously you're, you're kind of the same temperament as me. You're not, you're not a comic who's always on, you know, you're just kind of living your day, you know, and then when it's time to be the comedian, like you kind of get in that mindset. So when I'm off stage and I'm meeting like the people involved with the club or maybe the people at the hotel or something, like I just spent like 11 hours in my car. I I don't have time for somebody at the front desk like, oh, you're the comedian. Tell us some jokes. Give us your jokes. And then when I'm like, 
uh, I'm actually off shift. You know, they're like, well, you're not, you're not that funny. I hope you're funnier on stage. Dude, that happened, that happened to me. Uh, the, la- the last time that happened to me, when I checked into the hotel, and, and they said, oh, my God, you're the comedian? Oh, tell us a joke. And I said, so I walk into the shittiest hotel in town. <laughs> they didn't think it was funny, but fuck them. Oh, that's fucking really funny. <laughs> I know. And seriously, you should have seen their faces. They were like, oh. Yeah, well. I walked into the shittiest hotel in town and some Nimrod that's supposed to be checking me in is messing with me. I'm not, I'm, but I'm, I'm, it's like I'll, I'll take it from the hotel because they don't know any better. They yeah. deal with the, you know, maybe it's a place where it's the first time they're doing comedy or they only get a comics every once in a while and they're kind of awestruck by it. And they don't know how to deal with the comedians. Yeah. The thing I can't stand is when when it comes from the people at the comedy club. Oh, right. It's like you deal with comics every week. Don't be fucking idiots to them when they come in. Hey, funny guys here. Let's uh, tell some jokes. Get some jokes going in. And they're always like, the thing I can't stand more than that is where everything's a joke. Oh, yeah. When you're at the comedy club. You're like, uh, so what time does, uh, does the show start tonight? And they're like, as soon as you get here. And the show starts, you know. Or it's like, uh, is there any kind of deal we get on food? They're like, yeah. For you, it comes out piping hot. It's like, can I get some fucking straight answers? And maybe it drives me more crazy because I love doing that shit to my family. When they're asking real questions, I always give them stupid answers. Like, it was a, a thing I used to do with my dad all the time. As he would come in and ask me a real question, and then I would come up with some really weird answer. And he always knew that I was trying to come up with a weird answer, because I'd go, well, and he'd be like, say the real thing. <laughs> and he'd be like, where's your mother? Well, she was going to the store, but I think she's on her way to Mars right now. <laughs> well, speaking of stupid places the place we were at this week was not one of those no yeah i i do like uh a place where it's like family owned you know and they take a lot of pride in the food that they make there and and the the shows that they put on they're really professional and and chris and and everybody down there was just a really good time you know it's a you're hard pressed to find a club nowadays that uh, that takes care of you as as well as they do, you know, with letting you eat and drink all yeah. you want for free. It's like that just doesn't happen nowadays. And I didn't I didn't have anything there that was bad at all. In fact, oh if, my god, oh man. my god, it's so I, good. Uh, not to you know, if people have listened and heard me talk about how a certain clown eats a lot of shit, <laughs> uh, the disgruntled clown, John. He's a I, heavy eater. I may have said that in the past, but I, I want to let you know that it's just, it comes from love because I had five pieces of walleye. Uh, five. Five. And they were not little ones. They were like, and they were off a big fish. Well, let's give them just a little background quick. So we were playing this club called The Main Hanger, and it's a uh, restaurant, I guess, slash comedy club. 
in the Decatur airport. And I think airport is kind of a loose term because they have what? One terminal. One terminal, but six flights a day. Six flights a day. Three to Chicago, three to St. Louis. That's it. And so, like, you just drive up, and it's like the airport. You don't even have to go through security or anything, and you're just in the restaurant, like, performing. Um, So they do one show Friday, one Saturday. Put us up in a really nice hotel just down the street. And uh, Saturday, I, of course, uh, I was hydroplaning so much. I was like, I'm going to have to get my tires rotated. And then I went to the thing and the guy was like, these are, these tires are about to pop. So I had to go get new tires at Walmart, which is always a fun, that's a fun day where you get to hang out in Walmart for two hours waiting for them to put the shittiest tires ever invented on your car just so you can get home. But I thought, uh, I mean, with as much as Chris kind of pumped up Saturday, that Saturday was was the best is always the best show of the weekend yeah i felt like friday was better than saturday at least for me anyways i i felt like personally i felt like i did better on saturday even though there were there were quite a few less people um but uh i i i felt like they were both good but i felt like friday was actually even though they didn't respond the same way was a better show yeah i just felt like uh I don't know what it was about Saturday, man, but it just, they just felt weird. They had some energy and then it went away and then it came back. And then, uh, it was just like one of those crowds where, you know, you're on stage and you're like, this crowd seems weird. And then after the show, you meet the people as they come out and you're like, now I get it. Yeah. That because one the people in the crowd were weird. <laughs> Yeah, the one couple was like, oh, well, they told us a story about their kitty, the little kitty that came up, and God loved people that take in stray cats. But oh the kitty God. that had a, oh, and she had her eye, was she came and her eye was all swollen up. And then the guy says, yeah, and then it'll swell up, and then uh, uh, it'll come out with pus, and then it'll, I'm like, that's great. And he's like, and and like we well, haven't named them yet. And I says, why don't you? I didn't say this because I don't. I know you'd be mean to people to the show. But I'm like, really? Why don't you call it Pussy Pussy? Because that'd be perfect for that cat. Pussy Pussy. You did tell him to call it Lucky. Yeah, because they're stupid. Yeah. I hope they don't listen to the podcast because I don't really think they're stupid as much as somebody that would have two cats and, and neglect to name them. It'd be, sort of it'd be funny if they were listening to this yeah. podcast and like, they're talking about us. <laughs> and then we just start bashing them. That son it's, of a bitch. And it's, you know, it's not their fault because they don't know any better, but it's like the biggest pet peeve of every comedian on the road. And if you're an audience member and you're listening to this podcast, let me tell you what the biggest pet peeve of a comedian after the comedy show is. And that is, if you're not buying merchandise, get the fuck out of the way, okay? I don't mind chatting with you after everybody that wants to buy a shirt has left. But it's like that time after the show, it's a very delicate time. Like some people come out and they're like, you know, I think uh, I think I might get one of these uh, stupid silly shirts, you know? But a lot of them are... are it's a delicate balance. Like they're on the fence, you know, and if they come up 
and they're like, I want to get a shirt, and there's some dumbass talking about their cat with their eye all swelled up. They're like, eh, I don't know if I really want to wait around to get a shirt. Why don't we just get the hell out of here, you know? And in their head, they're like, oh, I'll just pick it up later, you know? And, of course, the next day, like, they don't even remember they were at a comedy show. It's just like retail is such a such a fickle beast. And this know? is particularly such an impulse buy. Well, yeah, <laughs> no shit. Well, I don't know if there is, isn't anything as impulse as buying a silly t-shirt from a comedian after the comedy exactly. show. But well, my God, those two people, they just stood there and they, and, and it drives me nuts too, because the lady comes up and she starts kind of like, you know, manhandling my shirts and kind of taking a peek at them and stuff. And I'm thinking to myself, like, great, I got a sale here. And I'm just about to ask her about like what kind of which one of the shirts she was interested in, and she launches into this whole story about someone dropping off a cat with a swollen eye on her front step, and I'm like, oh, for Christ's sakes, here we go. She she asked me. She looked. She she was there at the show, right? She yeah. At least she didn't ask you what's on your shirt. She asked me. You know, I have those temporary tramp stamps for sure. And she says, "Well, what's this say?" I'm like. Were you not there? Or you went out of the show? Because I say, I tell you exactly what it says. It says so did they not see your set? I, they just weren't paying attention. Like, oh, I don't know what the hell they were doing. I don't know. But you know, and then they and it's and it's the hard part is they mean well. You know. Oh yeah, they're they, absolutely you know really good people. It's just and they don't like I said they don't know any better. You know we're like celebrities to them yeah. like stand up comics in Decatur, Illinois they think we're like Johnny Carson <laughs> it, it would be to put this into perspective over what we've been talking about it would be as if uh, somebody drove into the service lane at Walmart and started asking questions about bread yeah pretty much <laughs> just block that block that off so nobody can go, else can get in there yeah, I really think that since you work at Walmart, you know about stuff. Yeah. Do you guys, uh, what would be your uh, recommendation for snack cakes? Like this is the tire lane. You want to, you want to, you want to have recommendations about snack cakes? Yeah. I got recommendations about snack cakes, man. Well, yeah, we, we decided on the ride down that your new, your new funny shirt that you're going to be selling is going to say snack master. Snack master. But and here's a, and here's the reason why. When the Ashley Madison stuff came out, I have four sisters, but one of them thinks she's funny. And she says, oh, my God, you should totally uh, you should totally tell a joke about how uh, when the Ashley Madison stuff came out, your doc, you thought it was Dolly Madison and your doctor got mad because you thought you would know that he was off your diet. Now, wait a minute. What is Dolly Madison? See, Dolly Madison is a, is a company that used to make snack cakes. And so I, I sent back to my sister, I said, uh, I don't think anybody's going to get that. Nobody knows what Dolly Madison is. I haven't seen Dolly Madison products for years and years. I see Hostess and I see Little Debbie, yeah. but I, nobody's going to know who Dolly Madison is. And then she sends back to me, well, fuck off, Snack Master. I'm just trying to help. <laughs> Snack master. Snack, you know, like, and out of the whole thing, the thing that struck stuck with me was, Ooh, I am kind of a snack master. I know a lot about snacks. And as soon as you said snack master, we were talking about it before. All I could think of was the shock master from <laughs> WWE. 
I mean, I'm sure we've talked about it on the I podcast the before. But that thing is the funniest fucking thing I've ever seen in my life. I mean, they they come up with this huge character. He's going to be like this this big rival rivalry guy for Sid Vicious. And the whole thing is just blown by a lone <laughs> two-by-four. He comes busting through the wall and falls down. And the best part about the whole thing was he was wearing a Stormtrooper helmet that was sprayed silver. And when he hit the ground, it just rolled off his head. And they had to cut away quick so he could get the helmet back on. And you find out, like, there, there's a guy backstage with a microphone doing his voice. Like, <laughs> I am the shock, shock master. You will. But so he falls down, the helmet rolls off his head. And if you listen to it right, you can hear Ric Flair and Sid Vicious backstage go, uh, Oh, Christ, he fell down. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> so, uh,. So look for the Snackmaster shirts. Those will be coming out real soon. <laughs> I think all in all, it was a good weekend. I mean, you always wish you sell more stuff, you know, so you have more money. But, you know, merchandising after the show is a, is a fickle beast. And a, uh, you can't ever count on it anymore. You know, certain places that you go thinking that, you know, you're going to do really well because it's a small town and they probably don't get that much entertainment there. You don't sell anything. And then you go other places and out of nowhere, it's like a line of people to buy everything, you know. But I don't know how any comedian nowadays survives on the road without selling something after the show. Yeah. I mean, it has gotten a little ridiculous. You know, I, I was doing Tulsa a while back. And the MC, the feature, and me were all selling shit. And it looked like a fucking flea market after the show. Oh. And the, uh, the MC was selling a shirt. The feature was selling, like, two shirts. I got my four shirts and my two CDs. And, and I think I had bumper stickers at that point that said Creep Squad on it. Nice. Just ridiculous. I'll tell you what, that was one weird, one thing that I, that I really, and we mentioned it when we were walking out. When Chris asked us last night, did you guys sell anything? And we said no. He was almost hurt that they didn't buy anything. Yeah. I, and that, he and that he took it personally that his, that his patrons didn't patronize us. Yeah. And I, I tried to explain, you know, it's just like, it's not something you can count on. You know, especially T-shirts. Like, no one's just going to buy a T-shirt to be like, I really liked you. I want to support you. Like, they have to really want to wear that T-shirt yeah. places. I mean, sometimes I think people will buy my CD because it's like 10 bucks and, and it can show like a sign of support, you yeah. know, and maybe they'll just give it to somebody else. Like, hey, we saw this comic. Here's a CD. It's pretty funny, you know. But a <clears throat> $20 shirt, like, that's a that's a big choice. Yeah. To, but I'm sure you've... Have you ever had the person that just gives you money after the show? Yeah, I have. Yeah. That's good, too. That's that's the best, because you get to keep your merchandise and you got the money. <laughs> one one time, only one time, I had somebody try to give me a pus-filled cat. Oh, you know what? These That lady was a nice lady, and she takes in all the little kitties. Yeah, I know. All the kitties. Yeah. Do you do that joke anymore? Uh, you know what? I, I, I It's funny, because I have... I have not 
Uh, man, I have, it's, a, it's like, it's, it's a hard now because if, if I was to do that one and another joke, now I have two jokes that people are like, oh, this guy just hates animals. That's not true. <laughs> you mean the uh, smothering your dog joke? Yeah. I think one of the funniest things that happened this weekend was, was you telling the story about Bob Larson. Oh, and God. how you have a joke about killing your dog, and he's got a joke about killing his dog. Yeah. And he didn't listen to your set, so. Oh, my God. You do yours, and then he does his, and nobody laughs, and he's like, what the fuck's wrong with you people? What? What? People usually think that's funny. <laughs> uh, but they that's, like, one of the greatest things oh, ever yeah. is, like, when, when the headliner isn't watching the feature, and they do a joke that's, like, eerily similar to theirs yeah and they don't they don't pay attention so they go up and do it anyways and people in the crowd are like what the fuck is this guy doing like this other guy just did a shake weight joke why is he doing a shake weight joke well i think what happened was i think that i did that joke and people you know because it's basically I, I i trick people into the whole thing and it's a it's i love it yeah because I, I, it's such a 180 degree swerve, uh, but, and, and they liked it. Yeah. And then, and then I think they thought Bob was giving me crap about it. And that's why they didn't laugh. Not that his joke wasn't funny, because it's a funny yeah. joke. But I think people thought he was giving me crap. Like making fun of you. Yeah. And oh, they okay. were not going to get on board with that. I had that one time when I was in Mankato years ago. I was opening for, uh, for Dwight York. And I was still doing the funny song shit. Oh, yeah. And I did the funny song stuff in Mankato long after I had retired it. Because for whatever reason, Mankato loved when I did the funny songs. They yeah. would go nuts. So I'm opening for Dwight and I played these songs and they were going crazy. And his opening joke was uh, another round of applause for Mark Poulos. Uh, how about those weird fucking songs, right? And like nobody made a peep. And he went, what? And some lady goes, we like Mark. And he went, oh, I like Mike, Mark too. I just thought those songs were weird. And uh, and what's funny is like I had to leave right after my set to go home because I had to work. So he sent me a message on Facebook the next day and he was like, he goes, man, you have no idea what happened after you left. I made fun of you. And after that, I ate a dick for like 40 minutes. Oh my God. Because those people love you in Mankato. And I was like, yeah, I guess so. Oh my God. Well, but I've had that a ton where, cause you know, my character that I, that I put forth on stage, a very likable character is, you know, it's mostly me. It's about 90% me. It's yeah. an amped up me. But it's, it's hard for, for headliners to make fun of me when they get up there because people genuinely are like a fan of what I'm doing. So they're like, don't make fun of Mark. He's our friend. Yeah. <laughs> I, think, I, I always, I always kind of like, I don't, I, I don't ever, you know, I don't ever have a problem with when, when somebody makes fun of you. It does, that doesn't bother me if somebody makes fun of me. But it, it, it always makes me feel good if they go up and try to do it and then the audience doesn't like it. Yeah, I love that, and it's, it's a nice like feeling. because I also feel like, well, you dumbass, if you'd have just gone up there and done your material and not tried to be funny, ha ha, oh, they're one making me, they'd be fine. Yeah, I have to admit though, there's a little thing that I do, 
if uh, if I don't like the feature act that I'm working with, like if they're kind of a dick or whatever, yeah, it goes a long way. If if you as the headliner go up and make absolutely no reference to the guy that came before you, oh, like sometimes I feel bad about it, you know, with with the path that I'm on and trying to trying to you know be a better person, you know it it's hard when they're when they're being dicks so in that scenario i just i just go up and i just start doing jokes like if it's somebody that i really genuinely think is funny and is a good friend or whatever i'll spend a little time like trying to get them a little bit more recognition before i start maybe talking about some of the bits that they do or getting a round of applause for them before i start but if i'm like not digging the vibe I'll just take the microphone and just start talking. Like, there wasn't anybody right before me. Wow, so kind of like every time when you're up after me. I talk no, about you, you all very, the time. Dude, I know you do. You're very kind to me. I'm just, I'm just, it's just, it's it's funny to me because I, I, I having worked with you as much as I have now, I, I find it hard that you would not do that for everybody. Yeah. You know? And it's a very rare occasion that I would do that. It's usually only people that um, they're kind of dicks off stage, and then you know they're doing certain things just to kind of, you know, mess with you. I talked about it last week with Jimmy Merritt about feature acts that sabotage the headliners. But, you know, it was like guys that'll go way too long or are very are being excessively vulgar for no reason just to kind of fuck with what I'm doing. And it's that kind of stuff where I'm just like, I know they're messing with me. So it's just like, I'm just going to go on and do my stuff and pretend like they weren't even a part of the show. Because it's amazing what time can do to an audience's memory. Oh, yeah. It's like, sometimes I'll do these funny bones and improvs and I'll do like a 20 minute set. And then the famous headliner is up there for like an hour and an hour and a half, you know. And after the show, a lot of people have forgot who the hell you are. They're like, who's this guy? Oh, yeah, you were also on the show, weren't you? You know, it's like, I've had times where I've done those shows and like a buddy who's a comic has like shown up just to hang out, you know. And they're standing with me after the show, you know, and then they come up to me and they're like, you were hilarious. And then go to my friend who wasn't even at the comedy club, like you were amazing, too. And you're like. Well, that doesn't make me feel good. Yeah. Like, they think some guy that wasn't even on the show was on the show. You know? yeah. Like, they don't know what the hell they're talking about. You know, it's funny, too, because it's the other the other side of that coin is the thing where it's like, uh, you know, they go to the headliner. Oh, my God, you're hilarious. You're the funny thing I ever saw. And then they go to the feature. Like, oh, my God, you were so funny. And they go to the MC, nice shirt. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I've told this story a couple of times. I think the best one of those was I was in Milwaukee. And I was opening for Chris Bliss, oh. who was uh, a juggler comedian. Yeah. So uh, the first guy comes out and he tells me, you're really funny. And then he goes to Chris and he goes, just a thought. Next time, like five minutes of jokes, 55 minutes of juggling. <laughs> <laughs> and if that wasn't bad enough, like the very next person that came out um, came up to me and was like, you were hilarious and then turned to the MC and was like and you are so cute and then looked at the headliner and was like and you're 
Uh, and just walks out the door. <laughs> yeah, that's the hard part about it because it's all subjective, right? And so, what, 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 what? Maybe just the comedy gold to somebody could just be garbage to the next guy. That's the hard part about all of this. And it's like we were talking about, everybody finds their audience. Yeah. There is an audience for everybody, uh, whether it's a huge audience or not. It's kind of up to you and, and, and how you develop and evolve. But yeah, uh, right now I I feel fortunate because uh, I, I told you I went and worked at that Pizza Plus deal they have in Eau Claire. <laughs> and there was, holy cow, compared to the, 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 the hangar, it was older last night. So I'm like, sweet, I can do this older people. And then when I did Eau Claire, I'm like, I had to work a little bit to figure out how I could be relevant to those young kids. Yeah. You know, it's like... We don't, we don't know what 45s are. Not that that makes it. Anyway, the point is, um, you know, you have to be a little bit nimble. And like you've said before, you have to be a chameleon. Yeah. You have to. And that just comes with time, you know, just, you know, getting up there, reading your audience, getting a feel like every comic should have tester jokes up front, you know, jokes that are kind of on the edge of, of uh, political correctness and vulgarity just to kind of see how the crowd reacts so you can kind of choose your adventure type of oh, show yeah. stuff. But I'm pretty good at reading. Like, uh, I at this point, before I even go on stage, I can read what the crowd's going to be like. Yeah. You know, I, it's very few times I've ever been surprised where I've, like, looked at a crowd and it's all 40 or 50-year-old people and then it turned out that they really liked filthy comedy. Like, yeah. it's, it's a pretty standard thing. Like, you know, late shows at comedy clubs, they like it more dirty because they're drunk and younger. And the earlier shows, they like more of a clever type of comedy, like family stuff and whatever. But that's one thing, too, about you is that you uh, have a tendency to watch the entire show because oh yeah because you like to uh, and I was telling you I mean from the middle I like to watch because I don't want to be surprised by anything but yeah. it gives you an extra opportunity to, to read the audience and a lot of guys can't or won't do that I well, mean that seems like the best tool of a comedian to read the audience is to watch the feature act and see what they're reacting yeah. to you know you know and that's the other other people are like oh I don't want to be in the room when the when the audience is getting seated I don't want, and I'm like, I want to see them when they come in. I want to see what they do. I want to, yeah. because it, it, it helps. I mean, to me. And, and well, that's like, I just really started hitting corporates heavy the last like two years, corporate shows for businesses. And I've talked to people who, when they do these things, like they'll show up to the hotel and they'll check into their room and then they'll just stay in their room until like five minutes before they're going to be going on at this corporate party and then do their thing and then just kind of leave. And I'm like, it goes so far to these companies. If you go down there and just eat dinner with them. Oh yeah. Just walk around and chat with people before the show talk about what their business is all about and just, you know, have conversations with people in the audience that's my trick. Like, I don't want to give away my trick and it's not really that big of a trick, but I go down early before these corporate shows and I try to make as many friends as I can in the audience Yeah. because then when I get up there, I feel comfortable that there's going to be at least like 
eight people out there that are already fans. Yeah. You know, especially like the table you set out when you're eating dinner. Like I try to be as, you know, upbeat and, and jokey as I can. And that way, like when I go on stage, that table kind of feels like they're on the inside. Like yeah. we sat with that guy, you yeah. know, and it does go a long way for, for the crowd to get on board, you know. I just, I, I don't understand walking in five minutes to showtime, beating the person that's in charge, and then just going on stage cold with no connections formed. I, I, I just, for me, I feel like if I'm not there really early, I'm, I'm afraid that, that something might happen that I'm, that I don't, I want to, I want to be in, if there's something crappy happens, I want to be there. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's like, and, and, and like you walk in, there's a weird vibe. Like what happened? Well, yeah. 20 minutes ago, a guy fell out of his chair and had a heart attack. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, good. I don't want to tell my heart attack joke then. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, that's the whole thing. I, and I've always been like that. Even with the first time that I went on stage, I went and watched three times before I was willing to go up because I'm like, I want to know what is happening so I'm 100% prepared for for how things work. Yeah. And you're still not ever 100% prepared because that's the thing, it's a live performance, but to at least know the lay of the land before you step your foot into the... Yeah. It's courteous. Yeah, courteous. courteous. And, and, and yes. Well, Johnny, any uh, closing thoughts? On our weekend in Decatur, uh, other it, than the town smells like shit. Oh yeah, that's a whole other story. Uh, oh my God, what do they manufacture there? Poop, John? It's a poop factory. <laughs> it's a and, and a literal factory. I, 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 you saw three trucks heading into town, and I'm like, hey, we got a load of garbage. Let's turn it into poop. <laughs> uh, that's yeah. a great idea. If you've never been to Decatur and gone over the stinky bridge. Stinky daily. It's uh, it's hard to describe the smell. Just think about uh, rancid water mixed with uh, old milk tossed inside uh, a rotting pig stomach, and then and then let it sit there for four or five days. I mean, it, and it just hits you. We're driving I, and it just hit us. Yeah, I almost I got sick to my stomach. I was like I was about to throw up. And one of the guys we met after the show had worked at the plant, and I was like, "It's got to suck for you." And he's like, "Ah, you just get used to it." And I was like, "The horrifying thought of getting used to that smell." God, I mean, they probably don't ever enjoy the subtleties of flavor and and smell anymore. How much how much hazard pay must you get for standing there inside of the stink pit? It can't be good for your brain. No. Or your nose or your mouth. Well, having said that, yeah, that part of the town stunk, but the airport was cool. That's the first time I got to tell jokes in an airport, and uh, it was a fantastic experience. I don't know if there's any other airport comedy places, but the main hangar. So, yeah. The main hangar in Decatur sure took care of us really well, I thought. I thought so. You got anything to pitch, Johnny? Website, Twitter. Oh yeah, people if they want to come and look at me can come and find me at uh, 
johnrusselcomedy.com or I think my Twitter handle is at jrcomedy. Uh, and uh, if you really want to have a little fun, uh, I have a, a, you can look up Comedian X, uh, Masked Comedian X on Twitter. It's oh. masked because I, uh, yeah, I, I have. Uh, I heard I have, about that. Yeah, I have a Twitter that's uh, masking. I don't know why I did this, but this is a, uh, anyway, the point is, so what happens is, like, if I get a wild hair, I only post about, on that on that account, I only post about pro wrestling stuff, uh, and I try to get, uh, I try to, uh, <laughs> there's, a, there's a specific comedian, uh, a wrestler named Seamus, who is an Irish guy, and then he has his hair in a, in a, in a red-haired mohawk, and uh, if you know anything about wrestling history, Terry Taylor was known as the Red Rooster, and they had him have a faux hawk. And so I've been trying to goad uh, Seamus. I just say the new Red Rooster when I talked about him. It all sounds only, great, John. Yeah, I just it ruined the podcast, gold. didn't I? Just ruined the podcast. <laughs> Wait a fuck well, it up, Johnny. Uh, thanks for coming on, Johnny. Uh, <laughs> As always, you can get this podcast at Podbean, Stitcher, and iTunes. Check out largedrunkman.com for my upcoming tour dates. A lot of fun stuff this fall into the winter. Uh, this week, I am off to Erie, Pennsylvania to do comedy at uh, Junior's Last Laugh. And I get to open for uh, Greg Morton, uh, who I'm a huge fan of. So it should be a, a really fun week. So if you're in and around the Erie, Pennsylvania area and you listen to this podcast and why wouldn't you? Because it is, it's got reach. It reaches across the country. Come out and see one of the shows. I think there's six shows on the weekend and uh, yeah, check out the website for all the uh, upcoming dates. And uh, thank you so much for tuning in and tune in next time when we talk about who knows. 